0: Hello and a warm welcome to Search for Truth, your Bible teaching programme. Thanks for tuning in. Now today Brian brings us the fifth talk on the subject of Christian faithfulness and loyalty. Uh, this series, you'll remember, is called Would You Also Go Away? And Brian is challenging our commitment and allegiance to the Christian faith and discipleship. Uh, today's talk's called Gideon's Ephod. So, Brian, tell us more.
1: Thanks, John. It was hot work in the wine press. However, the young man known as Gideon was not, as you might expect, treading on the grapes to extract their juice. But most unusually, instead of grapes, there was wheat strewn all over the floor, and Gideon was beating it in order to thresh it to remove the grain from the useless chaff. I'm guessing it must have been a small harvest. How in this undercover place he was intending to fully remove the chaff, I don't know, for the normal practice was to do this on a raised, flat, windswept spot where the wind would blow away the lighter chaff, leaving the heavier grain behind. But Gideon was in fact being resourceful, for these difficult times called for unusual methods. Ever since their enemy, the people who were known as the Midianites, ever since they'd gained the upper hand, and grown accustomed to making raids into Israel's territory and to helping themselves to a free harvest, Gideon had developed this subtle technique. Perhaps this might seem to us as the first indication that God was moving in young Gideon's life. Here was someone who wasn't willing to accept the inevitable. He was trying to save some of the harvest at least for his people's own use. But even with this spirit of resistance, Gideon could never have expected the visitor he received. He was sitting in the shade of the old oak tree in Gideon's hometown of Ophrah while Gideon was secretly beating out the wheat. But just who was he? You'd have been forgiven for suspecting it was an angel or even a man. But soon Gideon would have clear evidence that this was a very remarkable appearance of God in temporary human form. When the figure addressed Gideon as a valiant warrior, it's possible that Gideon checked if there was anyone standing directly behind him because that's not how he saw himself. And when Gideon was told that the Lord was with him, he shot back the same question that still haunts people today. If God is with us, then how come all these bad things are happening to us? Surely Gideon must have thought, the reality is that God has abandoned us to the enemy Midianites. But the visitor was insistent that Gideon would be the one to deliver Israel from the enemy. And so in that extraordinary way, Gideon was given his commission. Gideon's response was to build an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him and to destroy his father's pagan altar. The fact that his father had a pagan altar was so typical of the way things were at that time and symptomatic of why God's people were also under the thumb of their enemies. But Gideon was so afraid to make this stand that he had to do it secretly at night. But at least he did it. He took that first small step of obedience. The next challenge was a lot greater and it came soon. In Judges chapter 6 we read that all the Midianites and the Amalekites and the sons of the east assembled themselves and they crossed over and camped in the valley of Jezreel. So the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon and he blew a trumpet and the Abiezrites were called together to follow him. Famously, Gideon double-checked with God that God would truly help him as he had promised to. This doesn't come across as a lack of faith on Gideon's part, but more as an expression of his humility, his modesty and his nervousness. God graciously gave Gideon the reassurances he asked for, but he did put Gideon's faith and obedience to the test further by restricting his army right down to only 300 men. But the Lord, as promised, fought for his people and the enemy were put to flight. While in pursuit, Gideon called on others from the twelve tribes of Israel to join in the chase so as to ensure a total victory. This brought some criticism of Gideon's leadership as to why he'd not called on them earlier. But Gideon showed leadership by handling it both diplomatically and with firmness. When it was clear to all that a comprehensive victory had been secured, we read in Judges chapter 8 and verse 22, That the men of Israel said to Gideon, Rule over us, both you and your son, also your son's son, for you have delivered us from the hand of Midian. But Gideon said to them, I will not rule over you, nor shall my son rule over you. The Lord shall rule over you. Yet Gideon said to them, I would request of you that each of you give me an earring from his spoil. For they had gold earrings, because they were Ishmaelites. They said, "'we will surely give them.' "'So they spread out a garment, "'and every one of them threw an earring there from his spoil. "'Gideon made it into an ephod and placed it in his city, Ophrah, "'and all Israel played the harlot with it there, "'so that it became a snare to Gideon and his household. "'Then Jerubal,' that's Gideon, the son of Joash, "'went and lived in his own house. "'And Gideon, the son of Joash, died at a ripe old age.' and was buried in the tomb of his father Joash in Ophrah of the Abiezrites. Then it came about, as soon as Gideon was dead, that the sons of Israel again played the harlot with the Baals and made baal their god. Thus the sons of Israel did not remember the Lord their God who had delivered them from the hands of all their enemies on every side, nor did they show kindness to the household of Jerubal, that's Gideon, in accord with all the good that he had done to Israel. The ephod that was mentioned in that passage was that peculiar and particular part of the high priest's dress which was worn when the priest inquired of God. It seems that Gideon, being now the civil ruler, desired to have an ephod of his own, kept in his own city, perhaps to be worn by the priest whenever Gideon might summon him to inquire of the Lord for him. Gideon's strained relations with the tribe of Ephraim probably made him unwilling to travel to Shiloh to consult the high priest who was stationed there. Now, this is the ending to the story that I want to concentrate on. By now, we're not surprised by Gideon's humility. He was never someone who was seeking great things for himself, so he declined the offer of becoming, in effect, Israel's king and the start of a ruling dynasty. The curious thing is, It's what he did ask for, and the golden ephod which he made from the donated earrings. Let's clarify again that the ephod was the shoulder dress of the high priest. It was an item of clothing, not unlike a vest, in the way a sports vest is worn over the top in order to differentiate between competing teams. By means of the ephod and what was attached to it and what it contained, by such means, the priest obtained answers from God as to what God's will was in a particular matter, when, for example, he was consulted later in history by the king. So, why did Gideon make himself an ephod? Previously, he's built an altar, and at God's instruction, he's even conducted a sacrifice upon it. Was Gideon now trying to take over more of the duties of the priest, this time without God's consent? And if so, Was this a reflection on the disrepute into which the official high priesthood in Israel at that time had fallen? Although Gideon had declined official status as a king-like leader, might he have been nevertheless equipping himself with this object as an oracle, so as to be able to deal with hard cases in a continuing default role as the people's civil ruler? And again, if so, with some biblical justification, we may ask if there was any sense in which he wished in this way to be less dependent on having to consult the ephod-wearing priest, especially since that priest was located within the territory of Ephraim, from which quarter, heavy criticism had come to Gideon during the battle. However, whether intentionally or not, Gideon was sadly laying the foundation for a return to the confused mixture of belief in the true God mixed with the practice of paganism. And this is in fact what happened after his death, when the ephod he made came to be treated as an idol. Thinking of ourselves now, do we long, or find it more convenient, to personally take on a role which God's word doesn't intend for, or even permit us to fulfil? Do we sacrifice, in some respects, our understanding of what God's word asks us to do, simply because, to go where it's been carried out fully, would involve us meeting with people we'd frankly rather not meet. How often do you hear of breakaway groups forming because of unresolved church tensions? In how many ways, I wonder, are we guilty today, as it would seem Gideon was in his day, of making pragmatic or so-called politically correct decisions which clearly compromise the original purity of God's word? Are there not times, for example in the areas of gender and marriage, when the word of God is set aside altogether in favour of the popular vote. Let's be careful we don't muddy the water for others, as Gideon did. His actions, which were at best unwise, paved the way for the people to sin.
0: Thank you, Brian, for your talk today. Now, as usual, a transcript booklet is available for this series. And if you'd like to receive one, then ask for the title, Would You Also Go Away? And don't worry, we never pass your personal details or your uh, addresses or anything on to anyone else. Um, Now, you can also download our booklets via the Internet or you can order by email or by post. Now, first of all, I'll give you the postal address. It's Search for Truth, Church of God, Downing Drive, Leicester, LE5, 6LN, UK. And now here's our email address SFT at info. Now, if you wish, you can download MP3s or podcasts, uh, which are previous versions of uh, uh, programs. Uh, Just go to our website www.searchfortruth.org.uk and you can also access additional helpful material there. Some titles of Search for Truth booklets are also available at amazon.co.uk forward slash Kindle ebooks. Just type Search for Truth series into the search box. And uh, more. Back-copy titles are constantly being made available, so it's worth going on uh, several times over a long period. Now, that's all we have uh, time for today, but it's been great to enjoy your company, so please join us next week if you can. Uh, But for now, it's very best wishes from Bible teacher Brian, uh, David, our studio technician, our singers, and me, John. So cheerio, and may God richly bless you.